0: This is Bobby Guy with the 10-Minute Health BizCast. This is album three, track two. U.S. healthcare is not an eight-headed hydra. It's an 8,000-headed hydra. And if you try to study and understand all 8,000 heads, you're going to fail terribly. As I mentioned in our last track, what we're going to do in album three is put together a framework for understanding where all of those 8,000 heads fit. We're taking the macroeconomic view of healthcare, and when we're done, you'll have enough understanding of how healthcare works that you can speak intelligently about almost any area because you'll know the trend lines and the competing interests that are at work. This will also help you to think competitively about how to build the next generation of healthcare companies. So today, we're going to talk about the biggest difficulties in U.S. healthcare. What are they? Well, I could give you a laundry list, but I'm not going to, because this is about the big picture that makes sense of all the little pictures. We'll get to the little pictures later. There are two major problems in U.S. healthcare. They're what we'll call the utilization dilemma and the difficulty of defining success, which we'll call the success dilemma. And these are the same problems that every system of healthcare in the world has to deal with. In fact, these are the parents of almost every problem child that every healthcare system has to address. First, let's talk about the utilization dilemma. Here's the issue. How do we get people the right amount of care instead of too little or too much? The way we pay for healthcare almost always incentivizes one or the other, too little or too much. Anytime you're providing healthcare services, there's the potential to underserve people, failing to give them healthcare treatments that they need. In that case, we're underutilizing healthcare resources. There's also the potential to overserve people, to give them too much health care by giving them healthcare treatments that they don't need. Now we're overutilizing healthcare resources. If you were to draw a line, at the left end we'd put underutilization, at the right end we'd put overutilization, in the middle we'd put perfect utilization. Let's call it Goldilocks utilization. Not too hot, not too cold. The first major problem that we have in healthcare is coming up with a way to incentivize people to try to achieve Goldilocks utilization. It's really, really hard. Instead, most of the ways that we provide health care encourage either overutilization or underutilization. If someone goes to the emergency room and what they really need is a steroid pack to make them better, how do we make sure that they get one instead of either going home without one and getting sicker or getting admitted to the hospital for two days of evaluation and treatment they may not need? You get the point. So, how do we try to deal with the utilization dilemma? Well, this is the whole basis for the current national discussion about paying for value in healthcare, paying for quality instead of quantity. A big part of quality is achieving Goldilocks utilization. If you go back 50 years, the historical payment method has been what we call fee for service. So, regardless of the outcome, we pay healthcare providers for providing a service. More services equals more money. So, this incentivizes overutilization. On the other hand, insurance companies lose money if a patient has too many services. An insurance company just has to make sure you get less services in order to make money. So this incentivizes underutilization. For the moment, I'm not assuming bad intentions. And I'm certainly not saying that providers routinely overutilize and that payers routinely underutilize. I'm just saying these are the economic incentives. And no matter how well-intentioned each side may be, bad incentives create bad outcomes. Worst of all, the patient is caught in the middle. The patient who needs the service isn't the one paying for it, doesn't know how much it costs, and is in a terrible position to try to decide whether they're getting the right utilization. So for the last 30 years, the U.S. has spent a lot of time trying to come up with ways to pay for value. For example, we have a system that we call capitated payments, where the insurer pays a provider a flat fee amount, to provide all the services needed by a patient for a year. The idea is that the providers incentivize to keep the patient well, because if the patient gets sick, it takes a lot of expensive treatments and the provider doesn't get any extra money for that. But there's risk here too. The provider can also save money that year from simply reducing care during the one year period they're responsible for the patient. So if they're caring for a patient for only a single year, There's underutilization risk, too. Another example is the HMO, the Healthcare Management Organization. HMOs are a type of insurer that manages the care of their patients by requiring pre-authorization of all major medical expenses. The idea is that the competing interest between HMOs, minimize cost, and doctors, more services means more money, leads to Goldilocks utilization. The problem is that with thousands of doctors and only a few large HMOs, the doctors have much less leverage. And in the daily rush of healthcare, it's just too hard to have a negotiation over everything. There just isn't enough time. Those are two historical examples. Right now, we're on a tear in the U.S. to develop new methods of paying for value in other words, Goldilocks utilization, to beat the problem incentives of systems like these. We'll discuss value payment methods further on a later track in this album. What's the second major dilemma of all healthcare systems? The dilemma of defining success. Let's take a simple example. Frederick Henry, the protagonist in Hemingway's Farewell to Arms. He gets hit by a piece of shrapnel that lodges in his knee. Fairly straightforward, right? If you've got shrapnel in your knee, we've got to get it out. But the two military doctors he talks to have opposite approaches. One says wait a few days before removing it to let the trauma subside, and the other says remove it immediately. Who's right? If Henry fully recovers, we know he made the right choice. But if he never fully recovers, we don't know if this is because he chose the wrong doctor or because the wound was so bad in the first place. Or maybe it's because, after suffering a broken heart, Henry declines into alcoholism and chain smoking, then stops exercising and his knee muscle atrophies. Bradley Cooper's reaction aside, I still love this book. Don't let me spoil the ending. So, defining success is hard. We're pretty good at defining total success and total failure, but everything in between is tough. And when it comes to complex systems like our bodies, we often have to resort to probabilities when describing care. For example, with this treatment, you've got a 60% chance of full recovery, a 30% chance of partial recovery, and a 10% chance that this treatment makes it worse. So what do we use to define success? Well, first we make total failure unacceptable. We call it a breach of the standard of care, where a doctor malpractices and may get sued for it. But when a doctor meets the minimum standard of care, how do we tell the difference between excellent, good, and satisfactory? There are lots of measures for what is good healthcare. care. We look at life expectancy. We look at healthcare care costs per person in a country. We look at cure rates for specific diseases. We look at success rates for specific procedures. We can also look at patient satisfaction through surveys, through lack of lawsuits, through online comments. We can look at government ratings like the star rating system used for hospitals and nursing homes. But none of these is really comprehensive. So you see the problem, right? There are many different outcomes possible from just one treatment for one condition. And there are thousands of different health conditions and thousands of treatments. So it's hard to define success in a way that lets us measure healthcare to achieve Goldilocks utilization, the right amount of care across healthcare. Here's the key. If we can differentiate excellence, then we can pay for it and incentivize it. And very importantly, we can save a lot of money as a country when we no longer pay for medicine that is just okay. Because as we're all well-versed now, just okay is not okay. Let me end with this. There's an elegance to the complexity. And here's the takeaway. The beauty of the success dilemma being so hard to solve is that we don't need to solve it perfectly to make huge strides in improving healthcare. Small changes can make a huge difference. We can make a big impact by picking a few major recurring conditions and treatments and defining success and best practices for these. Later in this album, we'll talk about a lot of the small change opportunities and ways that we can seize them to improve healthcare broadly. As we conclude this track, we now all understand there are two major challenges of all healthcare systems solving the utilization dilemma and defining success. This is the start for understanding how to make healthcare better. This has been the 10 Minute Health Bizcast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks very much for joining us.